you know, I've titled today's message, Jesus Greater Than Our Ordinary Lives. And Jesus gives us the ability, he empowers us to do supernatural things, things that when we have the Holy Spirit moving in us, uh, we are able to have expectations that are so much greater than what we can achieve on our own. But life becomes like extremely uh, exciting, um, fulfilling when we experience the empowerment of the living Christ in us and working through us, doing what God wants, what he wants us to do on this earth. You know, last week, uh, my wife, uh, not partial to her sermon, but I thought it was a really good sermon. And uh, uh, the message she was uh, promoting uh, really was the love of the Father. Uh, and she spoke uh, quite a bit about us being immigrants. And so today, I, uh, I want to share a story way back uh, in the day when we were immigrants uh, here in, uh, we, we had, had a little cottage on, in the pond in, in Wellesley. And, uh, you know, I was in my late uh, 20s at that point. And I was at home and uh, Liz was working. And I felt like the, the Lord say to me, uh, go to your neighbor and tell him that God loves him, that I love him. And I'm like, no, wait a bit. My neighbor's like really old. I mean, he was like 67. I mean, he was really old guy. <laughs> I was 27. Okay, right. I mean, and like, I didn't really know the guy. I mean, you know, I mean, I'd said hi to him. I, I think I knew what his, I knew his name, but I mean, I'd never been in his house. And we had, and so I'm like, no, that's, that's not you, Lord. I'm just, I'm just imagining things here. And, but I felt the spirit of God's presence on me again and say, I want you to go over to your neighbor right now and tell him that I love him. And I'm like, that's just so weird. I mean, like, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to do it. Uh, no, I'm not hearing you, Lord. This is not you. This is just not you, Lord. I mean, I'm just, I'm making it up. It's just my own imagination. I, and uh, so I started putzing around doing something. Again, I just felt the presence of the Lord. And it was the same message. I'm like, oh, okay, I mean, how bad can this be? I mean, if I'm going to be a fool, uh, okay, I'm going to risk this. So I go over to my neighbor's house and I go to his door and I, and I knock on his door. And I'm super embarrassed, and, and, and he opens the door, and he's kind of unshaven and unkept, and he's looking a little disheveled. And I say, John, um, I, was, I was next door, and I, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to come over and, and tell you that he loves you. And I was like ready to bolt out of there, and he just burst into tears. And he said, come inside. And I said, okay. I, I, and he started shaking. He said, I've got to show you what I'm doing. And he took me over to his computer, and he was writing his suicide note Right then and there, he was about to kill himself. And uh, so I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I'm like, his name was John. I said, John, I mean, you've got a 14-year-old uh, son. Uh, your wife is a school teacher in the Wellesley schools. I said, what are you thinking? And he said, I just feel so, uh, you know, dreadful. And I said, can I pray for you? And he said, I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd love you to pray for me. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to pray to Jesus. And he said, well, you know, whoever and whatever, just like his wife was Jewish and, and he was, I don't know what he was. And uh, so I just started praying for him. And he said, oh, thank you so much. And uh, uh, he said, I I'm not going to commit suicide. And I said, oh, are you sure, John? I mean, are you, are you, you stable? And uh, he said, yes, I'm stable. And then, you know, later on his wife came home and we were able to uh, dialogue and, and he, he, he didn't indeed commit suicide. Now, all I'm saying about this, 
is how do we, you know, for me, I, afterwards it was extremely rewarding. I mean, I felt like, oh my gosh, I heard God. You know, it's like, this is crazy. I mean, and not only did I hear God, I mean, and then I'm starting to get nervous. What happens if I disobeyed God? And what happens if he did kill himself? And what happens if I heard God and then he killed himself and I was like, you know, I'd be like, oh, you know, no, Lord. I'm really, I'd rather risk failure uh, and being a little embarrassed than not uh, responding to the Lord. Now, uh, I, all I say is this. The Lord wants to use all of us to advance his kingdom. And when we're talking about advancing his kingdom, the, prom- the primary message that God wants us to communicate and wants you to hear is that he loves you that God loves you. And our job as believers is to communicate his message in whatever format, in whatever way God wants us to communicate that. He wants to empower us uh, to do that. Now, when we talk about Pentecost Sunday, uh, it reminds us about how God got this whole church thing going. I mean, how did the church start? And how how are we doing what we're doing today? And, you know, sometimes we kind of get, we, we miss the wonder of God's power. And we reduce it to like good organization and, and good messages, which you need that too. But you need the power of God. You know, when we think, how is the church advancing today? How are we, how's the church growing? How is it advancing? Let me suggest that it's not mostly by people going to seminary, learning a good message, and then learning how to package that message like you would if you were at a university, and then just doing lots of seminars and then getting more and more people to follow. I mean, it is a great message, and you do need to like unpackage the message uh, greatly, but you need something more than that. You need the power of God to change our lives and to change the lives of those that we're talking to uh, so that they can respond and receive and that they can experience the love of God for themselves. And that's how the church uh, has grown since the beginning. But Pentecost today is one of those days where we reflect back and we look at exactly how God got everything going. And then we also look at our lives today and say, God, like we need a refreshment of your awe and your power and your wonder. And we're asking you, God, that you'd use us and empower us. And we're also saying, God, can we just think of our own personal lives and our own personal problems from the perspective that you are so much greater, that you are the one that's able to, you know, do miracles, do the impossible. Can we believe again in the impossible? And can we expect God to do miraculous, impossible things through us as ordinary people? Because that's the gospel. That's the message of God. So firstly, you know, what is Pentecost? What does the word mean? Uh, You know, Greek word for 50, and it's 50 days after the feast of Passover, and it was a Jewish uh, festival. It was a one of those significant holidays uh, where the people were experiencing, as we are now in spring, uh, the Festival of Weeks. It was called the Festival of Weeks uh, or the Festival of First Fruits. And people were bringing their first fruits to the temple and they were basically saying, Look, God, we're giving you our first, we're giving you our best, and the things that we would most like to just keep for ourselves, we want to just in faith. We want to bring it to you and we say, you have the first and you have the best, knowing that you're going to then bless us 
afterwards. I mean, that was the basic festival. And people would come, Jewish people would come from all over the world for this festival. Uh, you know, the known world that were Jewish and they'd come to this festival. And God uses this particular festival to start the church. And at that particular festival, 3,000 people, well, that's just men, uh, so a whole bunch more when you take the women and kids and everybody there, became the first church. I mean, the first church was a big church. And uh, they were meeting in the temple regularly as a big group, and they were meeting in small groups as well. So let me just pray before we look at some of the scripture here. Lord Jesus, I just pray today that uh, for those that want to be empowered by your Holy Spirit, that you would empower them today. And Lord, uh, those that you want to empower with your spirit in a special, significant way, that you would empower them today. And Lord, I also pray for those that don't know you, that today would be the day that they would choose you and ask you into your life. So Lord, I just pray even as I'm preaching your word, that you would empower it. And Lord, that we could comprehend it. We could apply it to our own lives and, be pers and it'll be personal for us. So just help me, uh, Holy Spirit, as I preach. In your name, Jesus, amen. You know, we're working through this, uh, the Gospel of Mark, and, uh, and I want to just say, as we look at Mark chapter 6, it's a pretty much a downer passage, uh, but it's interesting, because uh, Jesus, in this Mark chapter 6, verse 1, uh, he's basically saying he couldn't do a whole lot of things because the community's faith was pretty pathetic. And because their faith was pathetic, it impacted Jesus. Now, there's something to that. Let me just read this, and, and, and I'll comment on that in a moment. Jesus left that party of the, part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all his wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and uh, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told him, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown, among his relatives and his own family. Now listen to verse 5. This is really a, an amazing statement. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. It doesn't say he wouldn't. It says he couldn't. And he says, and it ends up, he says, and he was amazed at their unbelief. You know, there's something, when you come to church on a Sunday, what should happen is this. My faith should lift up your faith, and it should impact your faith. And your faith should uplift my faith and our faith. And as we encourage each other, as we talk about the good things God has done in our lives, when we uh, speak to people after church in the lobby and people are you know, talking about the troubles and the things in their own lives, our job is to encourage them in faith that God can overcome all our problems. But our community faith is very significant. That's why we call it, you know, a faith church is a, a faith-based organization. Faith is what is holding us together, but what I'm trying to communicate here simply is that it's not an individual faith. Your lack of faith or your high faith impacts me, and my lack of faith or my high faith impacts you, and collectively it makes a huge difference. If it made a difference for Jesus, 
Believe me, it makes a huge difference for us. And so Jesus knew that one thing that we needed as a church and as individuals was to be empowered by His Holy Spirit. It wasn't like optional. It was like we desperately need His Spirit within us to do the things that we wouldn't even think about or dream about. And they're always good things. They're always encouraging things. It's always positive things. Look what Jesus says in John uh, chapter 20, the end of the gospel of John, before he goes back to heaven, uh, after he's been crucified and he's showing up to his disciples. Uh, he says this in John chapter 20, verse 20. As he spoke, he showed them his wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, what I want to get across here is there's something significant about this idea of Jesus saying, you need to receive the Holy Spirit to do what, in this case, my disciples need to do. I mean, Jesus knew he was going to be releasing his disciples to start the church and to get the church going. And he, the disciples had seen Jesus, had heard his teaching. They were well versed in the scriptures, but they were still lacking. They were lacking the power of the Holy Spirit to go and do the things that they needed to do. Now, the first thing that Jesus does is he breathes on them and he's like imparting the Holy Spirit to them. There's not just one impartation. If you follow your outline, you'll see that I've got there that we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is empowering these disciples. But it's not just like he empowers them once. It's like he empowers them again and again and again and again. And if he's going to empower the disciples again and again, you and I need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit again and again and again and again. We need to have our faith restored and lifted up. We need to believe again of the things that Jesus can do, what the power of the Holy Spirit can do in our lives, how he God can transform us, how God can get us through our difficulties. You know, when the doctor says you've got cancer, it's incurable, we can go to the Holy Spirit and say, no, that's not the final word. God has got the final word. We can pray to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit, come change this, you know, make a difference, do the impossible. We can start believing in the impossible again. And we can hear stories of others uh, who have received prayer and God has done the miraculous or the impossible, or even at the lower level, just encouraged them and gotten them through a difficult situation. But the real story of Pentecost is the empowerment again, he empowered again. And in Acts chapter 2, we've got the story of uh, Pentecost. But before we get there, let me just uh, read to you Acts chapter 1. Uh, the build-up here is just really uh, fascinating. It says, During the 40 days after Jesus was after his crucifixion, he appeared to the, the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. I mean, the first test was, I am believable, I did die, I am uh, resurrected from the dead, I've overcome death, and man, that took a lot for the disciples to get a hold of. But then what is important is Jesus had to root them in their purpose and in our purpose when we connect to the Lord of what it is that our primary job is when we relate to the Lord that He wants to do through us. And He talked to them about the kingdom of God. 
God, you know, this is why in the vineyard we have the kingdom of God theology is such a big part of who we are. Because Jesus makes it such a big part of his message. He's saying, guys, listen, get over the fact that I've been resurrected from the dead. Okay, you grasp that. Now let me reroute you into the message that I've been trying to tell you all along because this is what I need you to go and do. I need you to go and tell people about the kingdom of God. And of all the distractions, Jesus recentering him, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. When we pray the, the Lord's Prayer, God is asking us, if you think of the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come on earth. Jesus is saying, can we pray that his kingdom be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we're praying the Lord's Prayer, we, we're getting in agreement with what Jesus was telling his disciples, which Jesus is telling us, and if we pray that your kingdom, God, would come on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, that's the basis of the, of the prayer. And then, of course, we're saying, can you give us the power to do that? Can we be part of that? Can we reach out to others? Can we help people in practical ways? Can we communicate your love that you have for each one of us and for our neighbors and for our friends and for those that are near and dear to us, can we communicate your love uh, to them? So uh, that's, what he, that's what he tells them. And then it says, once they were in verse 4, chapter 1, verse 4, once they were eating with him, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he has promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. God is saying to us, it's important to be baptized in water. Uh, this confirms our faith, as Sarah was saying before. So if you haven't been baptized, think about getting baptized in water. But Jesus is also saying you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then, uh, you know, just as humans would do, they get distracted. Verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? I mean, it's like Jesus must be like pulling his hair out to these guys. He said, I'm trying to tell you, do the kingdom, advance the kingdom. And these guys are saying, what's in it for me? What power will I have? God, will you you like rule and be the ruler that we've always wanted you to be? Like, will you be the king? And she's like, no, I'm a, a whole different kingdom and a different type of king. And I, I thought you got it, but you don't get it. You know, get your eyes off yourself and what it's in, what's in it for you and get your eyes on me and let's get on with advancing the kingdom of God. And then he says, the father alone has the authority to set those, those dates and times. And we are not that we are just, we're not going to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. And, you know, so that's sort of the, the dynamic of what God is asking them and what he's asking us. He says, look, you need to receive, we need to receive God's love in such a way that we experience his power that the natural thing for us to do is to receive that love, experience that love, and then want to tell others about it and how awesome God is, that they too can know God and experience God's love and how helpful it will be uh, in their lives. What am I saying here? What, is this, uh, what does this mean to us? Well, it means that, as we see in Acts chapter 2, uh, something very significant happened that was outside of the control of the disciples that God from God's perspective was absolutely imperative and that they received the Holy Spirit again 
And God, Jesus already breathed on them. They had already received the Holy Spirit in one measure. But God is going to say, now I'm going to give it to you again. And this time it's going to be like hugely significant. But that wasn't the last time that they needed to receive their spirit. You can read the rest of the book of Acts and you'll see the disciples again and again received the power of the Holy Spirit. But this is what happened. Uh, it was the day of Pentecost, is Acts chapter 2. All the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roar of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what appeared like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Verse 7, they were completely amazed, the people, because coming from all over the distant worlds. They were coming with different languages. And now all of a sudden, these you know, fishermen from Galilee, which is like sort of the least educated part of the kingdom, these fishermen guys are now fluent in like multiple languages. And in their fluency, they're able to talk about the love of God and how much God loves them to their to the people there in their native tongue. I mean, they, were, you know, they weren't all Hebrew speaking. So for those that were there from you know, Ethiopia, they were hearing it in their local dialect. So what happened is this. God supernaturally, immediately gave these people the ability to, it's a prophetic gifting, gave these people a prophetic gifting to be able to speak another language totally clearly. I mean, instantaneously. And believe me, I would love and I pray for that gifting too. I mean, it's like, you know, learning languages the normal way is like slow. I would love to be able to speak Spanish like super frequently. You can pray for me for that. I just love. And you know what? The funny thing is it, when we connect with other missionaries, every now and then you hear a story every now and then. It's not like the main in the plane. The main in the plane is you just learn it the hard way. But every now and then you hear about missionaries that have learned the language just like instantaneously. I mean, there was a missionary couple down in Brazil. They couldn't speak a word of Portuguese. God instantaneously gave them the ability to speak Portuguese, you know, fluently. How does that even happen? That's one sense of prophecy. Uh, another way that prophecy can work is uh, God will give somebody, um, you know, prophetic word. They speak in another language, but they got no clue what the language is, is that they're speaking. But somebody else in the, org, in the congregation will say, hey, I, you know, I'm French. Uh, what you just said was, was French. And let me just repeat what you just said. And they speak it out. I mean, that, that's another form of, of prophecy. Uh, another form of prophecy, you know, anything that's revelatory that God is giving you primarily for the purpose of encouraging others would be a form of prophecy. So when I'm sitting in, as I described, in my little house in Wellesley, and God is saying, go to your neighbor and tell him that you love him, it's a form of prophecy. It's a form of God giving you something uh, revelatory, supernatural, so that I can go and advance the kingdom. I can tell my neighbor that God loves him, and then God will do whatever God is going to do. But of course, when you in step with God, the impact and the power of prophetic words is really, really uh, powerful. I mean, because the timing is often perfect, which we can't do in our own strength. Many different ways of doing a prophecy. You know, in our church here, sometimes we'll feel like the Lord is giving people a word or an impression. 
And we try and encourage that. Primarily, you know, join the prayer group in the, in the morning. We've got a chance to dialogue about it, think about it. Uh, other times, you know, I sit in the same place here. You can always come to me after I'm finished preaching during worship and say, you know, I feel like the Lord is saying this. Uh, could that possibly be the Lord? And, you know, allow me to at least figure out what it is. Just have to give me a, a brief synopsis of what you think feeling the Lord is saying, or maybe you're super shy and it's like uh, you, the last, you, you don't want to stand up. You can write something down, you know, Rob, I think this verse is pertinent or Rob, I think this or Rob, I really experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit today. I, you know, I think something, you know, whatever it is, but you've got to understand that none of us are perfect in this stuff. So we use each other to try and figure it out and ascertain what is the God part and emphasize that and let's like minimize the self part but what i am saying is we need the power of the holy spirit uh, to do you know incredible extraordinary impossible things in our lives uh we we depend on it uh let me just finish off by this saying this in john the book of john 1 john 4 4 it says the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world one of the things that when the holy spirit empowers us he gives us a sense of confidence that we often lack. And we need that sense of like, I can overcome this thing. I can overcome my problem. I can overcome the difficulties that are ahead of me. I can overcome my physical or my sickness or my lack of finances because the Spirit of God within me is greater than the Spirit of, in the world. And I'm going to overcome the Spirit in the world that's trying to hold me back. So there's a sense that we need the Spirit of God to empower us, to fill us, to energize us. Then it says in 1 Corinthians, it says, Now eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the greater gifts, meaning the revelatory gifts, the, the gifts that we can't do on our own, uh, speaking in tongues and, and prophetic words. But there's a purpose why God wants to give us these gifts. It's, not, it's to help others. It's to encourage others. It's to advance the kingdom of God. It's to do things that we can't do in our own ordinary way. In 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says this, let love be your highest goal. The point of getting these gifts is that we can be used in love to do something that's empowered. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Let me just end this way. I, you know, would like to pray for everybody here to receive the, this, the power of God. But I realize that maybe, you know, there's a few of you that would say, I, I, don't, I don't really really want to receive the power of God or I'm nervous to receive the power of God. So let me just, you just stay where you are. Let me just pray for you. If you want to receive the power of God, again, just like as you are, just open your arms up. And, and if you don't want to receive God, you just cross your arms and just shake your head and say no. But Holy Spirit, we understand that we are dependent on you. And Lord, I personally need to receive more of your Holy Spirit. I desire to be guided by you. And Lord, I pray for your people. And Lord, I pray for those that are sitting here today, Lord, especially those that eagerly desire uh, your spiritual gifts. Lord, that you would empower them right now, that you'd impart your power. Lord, I give you the freedom for those that you particularly are wanting to impart particular or certain gifts or have a certain ministry or a certain 
person that you want them to reach, Lord, that you would empower that person right now. And with real clarity, Lord, they'd be uh, able to experience your Holy Spirit, your empowerment, and uh, clearly know what it is that you're asking of them or what it is that you're trying to break off them. Lord, I just pray for your people today that on this Pentecost Sunday, Lord, that we would come to you and we would ask you, Lord, to fill us with your Holy Spirit and we'd give you the freedom in our lives to move in whatever way that you'd like to move in us. And Lord, we just say we desire to be used by you, to be blessed by you. In your name, Jesus. In your name, Jesus. I I would like us to just, like as we're worshiping now, just allow the Spirit of God to speak to us as we worship. And then when we finish worshiping, I want to take some time afterwards and and pray for some of you that you feel like uh, the Lord is doing something in you and you feel like you'd like to respond. But let's just have a time of worship where we can allow the Spirit of God to continue to move in us. So we have the worship team uh, come on up and why don't you stand if you're able and and let us just uh, spend some time allowing the Spirit of God to just move in us and fall on us and to fill us and to encourage us and to where we can experience His love and the ability to go on and to experience His power. In your name, Jesus, we just lift this time up to you. Amen.